This week, we are going to start talking about epic literature. And even though we are going to discuss epic heroes, I would like you to know the story of Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is one of the earliest stories from the Babylons, okay? And you should know this because it's one of the first epic tales that we have um, they have, we have found, although sometimes incomplete, because of course it was written uh, in the 1750 uh, before Christ. And therefore, many of the fragments of this famous epic poem have been lost. Um, some of the portions that have been found tell us about a great hero, a mighty hero, and the most important king of the antiquity. Gilgamesh. Uh, with this poem, there are many existential issues that come into place, such as the meaning of being a mortal being in an immortal world, and the way in which human nature distinguishes itself from the other animals and even from the gods, uh, same as the ethics of political power and military force. These are The, the universal topics that make this an important and everlasting uh, work. Now, the poem begins in an ancient city called Uruk, in which uh, Gilgamesh is the king. The narration is going to take us to imaginary places in this, in the world that Gilgamesh knows. Gilgamesh has um, is, is friends with a savage called Enkidu, and they set out to look for fame and glory. You will see that this is something that heroes always do. Um, in these and for many days, they are walking through uh, the forest of uh, the oaks. Okay, in this forest is where. Uh, the gods actually live in which they inhabit and they have to kill a mighty ogre called Humbaba to be able to cut the trees in Babylon they didn't have any forests and the, the, the landing well the overview is completely imaginary there is this very uh, dense scary jungle because they were not used to jungles and forests in, in Babylon. Uh, there is an overwhelming and crushing force uh, of the power of will and the, the strength of the heroes. In a fragment of this poem that was reconstructed in 2012, there's a, a detailed description of the overwhelming noise of the birds, um, The, 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 the zooming of uh, the insects and uh, the screaming of the monkeys. And it, it, it takes a, a, a cacophonic uh, symphony that actually um, that entertains the guardian of the forest. Now, Humbaba is a, is a king with a, in a strange quote. It's partly the personification of the eternal vital strength of the trees, um, 
although he also has some uh, characteristics of the, of the, uh, uh, the the fawns, which are magical creatures that live in the forest. However, the the, the forest itself, even though Humbaba is imponent and dangerous, the forest itself is the heart of darkness, as the the hero describes it. And it presents an important contemporary dilemma. Do invaders have the right to kill uh, its governor and steal the resources in the name of civilization? The episode is going to express the equivalence, the ambivalence, I'm sorry, of heroes in relation to the destruction of the forest. Um, In the world of um, Enkidu, that when he says to Giglamesh, oh, my friend, how are we have uh, reduced the woods to an empty lot. How are we going to respond to the gods in regards to what we have done? Because the gods considered that killing Humbaba was a sin. And it is one of the reasons why Enkidu must die at the end. Giglamesh finds himself filled with sorrow because his friend has died. And then in this unbearable pain that he feels, he starts feeling tremor, you know, he starts to feel the fear for his own life. Am I going to die too? So he reaches the end of the world searching for the one man that knows that that he knows that has escaped of this fatal destiny that has been set out for humanity ever since the the great rain okay so the 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 scenes that continue in the poem are rather strange because he goes into this cave on top of a mountain the the entrance to this mountain is guarded by these monstrous beings half man half scorpion And there's a magic garden whose uh, trees uh, give, uh, the fruits of these trees are precious uh, stones. And there's even a port in which uh, there's a great, great boat that uh, moves its crew through the waters of death. Now, the poet is going to use imagine all of these imaginary settings for the hero to face different realities that didn't seem to be very troublesome you know when when you see them from your home but it is easier to to talk about it than to experience it when he goes out into all these settings this was this is where our hero is going to face all of these different tasks and all of these difficulties And at the end, uh, the poem is going to take the reader back to the city of Uruk. Um, beyond its walls, the observer can see that there are many, the, the many activities of the human beings, and to know that even though the individual may die, the, uh, the human race is eternal. So, in order to understand this simple truth, Gilgamesh has had to first acquire wisdom in exotic and imaginary places.
And this is very much what happens to all the heroes who actually want to learn. So we are going to talk about Beowulf. Think about how much the Giclamesh story is similar to Beowulf and how our heroes have to undertake these long, extensive journeys in order to learn things about themselves. Think about it and let's talk about it uh, tomorrow evening, okay? Uh, thank you for listening and have a great day. Good day, dear students. What have we learned about literary translation so far? Well, first of all, one of the key ingredients of a good literary translation is to be submissive. Submissive with the work which we are about to translate. Submissive, why? Because you need to turn off your own voice. You need to turn off your opinion about the topic. And what is it that we need to do? First of all, you should translate things that really matter to you, things that you enjoy. Because if you are going to translate a book which you hate, for example, you're not going to do it you know, tastefully. You're not going to enjoy it. Um, part of the things that actually make a successful translation is to actually Uh, translate things that really like uh, that are really enjoyable to you authors that you admire uh, and authors for whom you have an affinity why because that makes us have a sense of admiration and affinity and devotion to what our work will be the aim of the translation of the literary translation is always to provide a voice to these characters and to actually make them uh, appeal, appealable to, to our audience, to make them work for another audience. Remember that you are not only transferring words, you're also transferring um, the, the sense of the, of, the, of the work, you're transferring it, the personality, you're transferring all of the characteristics of the work that make it appealable and intelligent and funny or sarcastic or um, that have that makes sense to the original reader, to the intended audience. Now remember that you are translating for another audience, one that the author never considered. When the author has written this work, they only had one audience in mind. Or maybe the author didn't even have an audience in mind. The author only had a story to tell. And this story is the one that has been, that has permeated into a book or a short story or a poem. This work is the one that we are going to examine. This work that has an, a message, that has a purpose um, to communicate This is the one that we are going to examine. And the first thing is that we should do is to like it, to understand it. And even if you don't like it, you should understand it. You should have an appeal 
to this one um, to this one story to these characters we should understand them at least try to understand them because once you do you have to be completely submissive to the message that they're trying to deliver once you once you do that you get that affinity that submission to the uh, to the work this is when we are able to transfer linguistically speaking from one language to the other but always keeping in mind what is the tone of this work what kind of audience is this work intended to what is the purpose of this work is does it have a morality a moral story behind it does it have a particular message uh, what is the tone of this of this work is it uh, sarcastic is it humorous is it gloomy what is the tone and then we start to translate but remember transferring literary works from one language to the other is not just an a, a linguistic endeavor it is also a matter of integrating all of this knowledge that i have just pointed out in terms of my translation and being able to render a good and and an interesting translation that actually reflects in the best possible way the sense the feeling the message of this literary work okay uh thank you very much for your attention and uh see you on friday